everybody, and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time with us, then let me just welcome you and say that I am so glad that you're here today. My name is Christian Keeter, and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife, Lacey, and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. Today, I'm going to share with you guys a teaching that I recently did at Mentoring Men for the Master, which is a ministry that I'm on staff with. And as is frequently the case uh, for whenever I share teachings that are done there, you're going to note some background noise here and there, perhaps, but I don't think it's too distracting or anything like that. But I did just want to give a disclaimer up front. So without further ado, let's go ahead and transition into the teaching and I'll pop back in at the end to wrap up the episode. All right, let's get started. Dear Lord, we just want to upfront at the outset commit this time to you. Lord, we have created a space and we're just asking you to fill it. Jesus, you are the perfect teacher. When you taught, the crowds were astonished at the authority with which you taught, which was unlike the scribes, Lord. And so, Jesus, I pray that you teach us now, that you open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of your law, and that we can all walk away saying that we heard from you today. Lord, we love you and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So go ahead and flip to Numbers 20, if you would. Numbers 20. Um, Beginning at verse 1, it says, And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. So who was Miriam? Yep, Moses and Aaron's sister. Continuing in verse 2, Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Seems to be a theme. (laughs) Verse 3, And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the, and the, glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Let's pause before we go on. What is this reminiscent of? What does this remind us of? Uh, Let me ask it this way. Is this the first time we've seen water come out of a rock in the wilderness wandering? No. And, but what is different in this occasion than the other time? Yeah. He's supposed to speak to the rock instead of striking it. Originally, this is way back in Exodus 17, shortly after they passed through the Red Sea, which is recorded in Exodus 14, um, he's told to strike the rock, and out comes water. Here he is told, to to reread it, in verse 8, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. So he's told to speak to the rock, not to strike it. Verse 10, Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water 
bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and her livestock. So did, did Moses obey or disobey here? Okay, he disobeyed. Verse 12, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. That's through verse 13. That's a sad passage, y'all. That's sad. And we could, you know, there's been different theories, there's been different explanations as to what, what all was the nature of Moses' sin here. I mean, at the very surface level, we can see, well, this was an act of disobedience, clearly, because God told him to do one thing and he did something else. Like, you know, in verse 12, he said, um, because you did not believe in me. You know, God had told him to do something, tell the rock to yield us water, he struck it twice. But as to the, you know, how the, the weighty nature of the sin and, and the consequence for it, different people have different opinions, and I'm not about to get into all that right now, and I don't want to be dogmatic on something that I myself am not convinced of personally yet, because I'm still learning, right? But there is something out of this passage that I want to, to point out, and it is from that, from verse 12 again, you know, the Lord says, because you did not believe in me, but then listen to this phrase, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. What Moses did, on some level, in some way, impacted, how can I even say this? Perhaps, how the people saw the Lord? Um, Moses had a lot, he had influence with these people. And it says that he did not uphold the Lord as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. What Moses did in some way negatively affected these people. It had a negative impact on them. Again, we, we're not going to get into specifics about what that is, but I just want to point out the fact that Moses' actions negatively impacted other people. Let's go to Galatians 2. Galatians 2. Uh, we're actually going to read a passage that we talked about a bit when I taught last time um, about grace about a month ago. Galatians 2. Paul shares this account of when Peter comes to Antioch. Just a few verses. Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So we are you know, pretty familiar with this account. Um, Peter comes, he's hanging out with the Gentiles. Whenever some of the Jews come from Jerusalem, come from James, Peter fearfully withdraws and kind of um, creates distance between him and the Gentile believers. And we talked 
previously about you know the implications uh, that could have as far as you know uh, first rate, second rate Christians and, and things like that, which is totally contrary to the to the heart of the gospel. But here, I just want to point this out. It says, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Like Moses, we see Peter here impacting those around him in a negative way. We see the decision that he made, how it didn't just stop with him, how it affected those around him. So what are we talking about today? In a word, we are talking about influence. And how am I defining influence? I'm just really simply defining influence as the ability to be able to affect what people think and how they behave. What people believe to be true and, and how they act. Influence is the ability to, in, well, you can't use the word to define the word. Influence is the ability to impact and affect the thoughts that people think, the way that they live, how they view the Lord, things like that. And influence, obviously, can be used um, to do incredible good or incredible destruction. You can see somebody and the Lord can give you insight into that person's life and you can do things to, to help them, to shape how they see the Lord. If you see, oh wow, this person is viewing the Lord in a totally unbiblical way, I want to use my position in their life to be able to help them see things clearly. Or it can be used very negatively, and one of the major forms that that takes is what we call manipulation. Trying to control other people for some sort of selfish gain or something like that. So the reality is this. Every single one of you, every single one of us has influence. It varies in measure and in context. We all have influence, and you see someone like Peter, who was in such a high position. Like It was, I believe, necessary for Paul to publicly address him, because what Peter did did not just stop with him. If it was a private thing that Peter had just done, then it would have been like, okay, let me talk to you privately, but there are people here who are now being led astray, and so it's important for them to hear the truth in that instance right there. Peter was in such a high position that he had... Um, the capacity to influence people very strongly in one way or the other. And so, like I said, every single one of us in some measure and in some capacity in different contexts have influence. And this week, uh, this week, I feel like the Lord just really showed me how careful I need to be. How serious of a thing that this is how utterly serious it is we have influence in people's lives we impact them and regardless of whether we believe it or not it's it's true this week i um i just had some conversations where i expressed my opinion and gave advice and i had had a growing sense of unease about it after the fact. And I began to realize that I had done it, I had been too quick 
and being strong in my stance. I had been too confident in my own opinion. I had thought too highly of myself. And not only in the area of advice, but I've also done this in the realm of biblical interpretation. I've had too high of a view of my ability to interpret the scriptures. Too confident in it. Am I suggesting us not to be confident and, you know, strong on things that the Bible is 100% clear on? Well, no. But you guys know as well as I do that there are a lot of issues where there is room for disagreement biblically. There are core essentials that are necessary to anyone who's going to call themselves a Jesus follower. The importance of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin in his name, the fact that his blood is the only mean of forgiveness of sins and that we can by no means earn his grace. You know, stuff like that. These are the essentials. But so much of the Christian life is in areas where there's room for disagreement and yet unity. And... um. I just realized I had been far too confident. And not only that, but the Bible's full of principles. And, you know, Dr. Bennett used to say, comfort the afflicted, but afflict the comfortable. Right? Which is good, right? That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, He would say, comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. In both of those instances, you would be applying biblical principles, but wisdom would dictate when to do what. You see? So even knowing which biblical principles to apply in a specific scenario, we need wisdom. So what am I suggesting? I'm suggesting we be humble. I'm suggesting that we learn from my own sort of mistake here. And I really believe that what I'm sharing right now is, is of the Lord because when I realized it, I had a great sense, a great awareness of it. I, gr- I saw it in my life. I saw how just in conversations, I would be really quick to talk about what X, Y, or Z passage means and um, be very confident kind of in, in my positions a lot of times, very confident in my advice. And I felt great heaviness from that. But I believe it was from the Lord because, one, I was so thankful to see it. I was so thankful to see it, and I knew exactly what to do with it. I don't think if it were condemnation from the enemy that it would produce gratitude and clarity. I think it would produce just this great... This is what it felt like. 2018 is when God, I really feel like, called me to teach. I was driving and um, certain verses, like uh, I actually have one of them written here, like James 3.1 came to my mind, which says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Verses like that are coming to my mind, and I'm feeling the weight of the reality of these verses. And I said, Lord, if this verse is true, and there was another verse from Hebrews 13, if these verses are true, it would be better if I don't teach. I felt that heaviness. I felt the, this weightiness from this. But then I believe in that moment, he said, but I've called you. It's, it's not about my ability. It's about the fact that he's told me to do it. But this was a similar sort of feeling, this heaviness, where I was like, oh... Because even right now, this, 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 this position I'm in right now is a position of influence, if you're willing to give it to me. I'm up here teaching the Bible, right? Guys, what a task. I know some of you are teachers. I know some of you offer advice. We all offer advice. We all have opinions. Guys, this is, this is serious. Think of Moses. Think of Peter. Think of the capacity to lead people like Barnabas astray.
am I actually let me just um let me read to you a, a it's a portion of a quote from arguably one of the greatest literary masterpieces of the 20th century J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings man I tell you what you read Lord, The Lord of the Rings there is there is wisdom in there and this is one example um and I'll spare you the, the details because I don't want to bore you and I also don't want to get judged, so I'm not going to give you the context of this in the book. But just this simple statement is part of a quote. Advice is a dangerous gift. Even from the wise to the wise, and all courses may run ill. Advice is a dangerous gift. Isn't that good? Do you see that? Do you see how it's a dangerous gift? Do you see how you say something? You even flippantly, passively say something and then people do it and it leads to destruction? And you realize, I had a hand in that. While at the end of the day, yes, we're each accountable to the Lord. We each are answerable to the Lord. But are we being trustworthy with the influence that he's given us? While praying about this very thing this week, I, I feel like he brought Luke 16.10 to mind, which in the context is... And it's, it's after the, the parable of the dishonest steward. It's in the context of a conversation about money, but it's a general principle that I feel like the Lord brought up when I was praying about this very thing, where it says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And I had this great sense that until I learn this lesson, I, I can't be trusted with more. I can't be trusted with more influence. I cannot move forward. I cannot be trusted with this if I don't take it seriously. And if I'm a little bit slower to give advice, a little bit quicker to ask questions, a little more humble when it comes to talking about the Bible and you know biblical stances and, and what it says. Because come on, guys, I mean, we've been believers in varying lengths of time. We've all been believers long enough to say, yeah, where I stand on this topic is not where I stood on it X number of years ago. And if we're willing to acknowledge that we ourselves are still learning and growing, we should not be so quick to be hyper-dogmatic unless the Bible is very clear on it. Now, lest you think that I am advocating we don't give advice, let me just share some scriptures. Uh, Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Okay? Proverbs nineteen twenty: Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom for the future. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. You know, I really want to emphasize the in all wisdom. We need to teach and admonish one another, but in all wisdom. And earlier in this verse, it talks about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. I mean, these things aren't separated concepts. Um, I'll finish out that verse. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then Proverbs 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. That verse, it's, that verse would not make sense if there wasn't some sort of exertion of one's influence in the life of another. That, that verse is describing when somebody does something for your good that is not easy to hear. But they just shared their opinion, did they not? They just gave you advice. Ecclesiastes 4.13, Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. And then I just, I'll include this. I know it's, I'm, this is a lot of verses, but, but I want to include, well, you'll see why in a second. Proverbs 13, 20. Um, it's a pretty popular verse. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. 
but the companion of fools will suffer harm. There's an, an influence verse for you, right? I saw one way that the second half of that verse had been has been rendered, where it says, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It's, it says, fool he ends, that fool befriends. <laughs> That's fun, isn't it? Yeah, okay. I just, I just enjoyed that. <laughs> I did. No, I, I feel no shame about it. That's good. But fool he ends, that fool befriends. So the Bible is full of examples of um, uh, the importance of giving and receiving godly counsel, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And I would not for a second want to talk anybody out of this. I would not for a moment to uh, want to um, discourage you from... Because you could make the opposite error. If God has entrusted you with influence and you figuratively bury the talent and you say, I'm not going to use this for the benefit of others or anything like that in any way at all, that's, that's an equal and opposite error. We're talking about a balance right now. We're talking about humility. We're talking about being a little slower to speak being a, and just a little bit more... Um, you know, let me just let me read some verses from Proverbs that talk about this. Proverbs 18.13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. I'm going to read that in a few other translations as well. Um, New American Standard, I was, that was the English uh-huh. Standard Bible, but uh, uh, e- the ESV. In ASB, one who gives an answer before he hears, it is foolishness and shame to him. Uh, Amplified, he who answers before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to him. How about the, the NLT? It's a, this is a fun poke in the eye. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. <laughs> that, what verse? That was Proverbs 18.13. Yes, sir. And so I just, uh, those are just a few other translations. But let's just think about this. Let's apply this. It's the idea of, okay, Someone is describing something to you. Slow down. Ask more questions before we flippantly make statements that could influence somebody. Because guys, like I said, in my own life, I saw places I had done this. This was not theoretical. I had a growing sense of unease based on real interactions and feeling the weight of those and saying, Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to be much slower to be, um, I want to be much wiser in how I handle any measure of influence you've given me. And like I said, everybody here, you all have influence. I mean, you just told me you're about to do the final premarital counseling with a couple before their wedding. What a meeting, right? All of us have influence. I mean, Mr. Bobby, you're part of us. You, you lead a small group on, on Monday nights. Will, you've taught at your church. I mean, it, all, all of you have influence. How are we handling it? Proverbs 18, 17, so just a few verses down in that same passage, or that same chapter, says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes in and examines him. I wrote underneath this, there are two sides to every coin. And so for us to begin to express an opinion, offer advice so quickly after having so few details, that's dangerous. 
Now, this is actually, the context is kind of, the, the, the way it's being described is very much like a courtroom setting. In fact, where it says the one who states his case uh, is translated um, from in his legal case. So in his legal case, and uh, so we see this as kind of, if you imagine a courtroom setting, think about how silly it would be where one person speaks and the judge is like, oh, yeah, that's it right there. Like not listening to any other, like, that'd be terrible. That'd be awful. And yet we can be quick to do this, that very thing in our interactions with other people. Um, NLT, again, <laughs> something, I love how the NLT renders stuff. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And the word translated as cross-examined there, or the cross-examination, or, or uh, you know, I, I have a few different translations here, is used for, and I'm quoting the footnote from um, the, uh, the New English translation. There's a footnote that says, the verb translated cross-examines is used for careful, diligent searching and investigating to know something. So what does this look like in an actual human interaction? Somebody expresses their opinion or, or recounts an event to you, and then they are expecting you to give them your advice or expecting to hear some sort of feedback. This takes the form of saying, until I have more information, I really couldn't speak. Or asking questions of this person. Or if they don't prompt you for that, not being so quick to offer advice. I, uh, somebody, I was talking to somebody yesterday, somebody from from Kenya, actually, and he was letting me know about this situation. And the situation, as he was, you know, and, and, and I, I trust this guy. He's a, he's a trustworthy guy. But I'll tell you what I don't know. I, I don't know all the cultural differences between Kenya and the U.S. And so he was describing a circumstance that happened there, and I'm thinking, like, well, that's just ridiculous. Like, if I were in this, like, and I, my temptation is to be like, man, it's just ridiculous that that was expected of you, and to kind of say that to him and, and whatnot. But I didn't because of this. I simply then went on to say, like, I think I probably said things like, oh, wow, and whatnot, and, you know, responded. But then I said, so what'd you do? Ask questions. Because, guys, I, I don't... I realize I'm accountable for the influence I have. James says that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You guys are accountable for the influence you have. It's a wonderful gift. God has entrusted you with this. Take it seriously. So here's a few things I wrote um, for myself. Uh, I remember earlier this week, like when the Lord showed this to me, I was like, to me it was just so meaningful. And I, and I, I hope it's uh, meaningful to you guys too and that you're seeing applications in your own lives. And I was sitting there, I was like, man, I... I wish I could teach this instead of what I originally said I was going to. And I was like, oh, wait, I can't. There's, there's no reason not to. Because this was just so meaningful. But I wrote this. And I'll just hop around and just read a few things I wrote in my journal. I think here are some of the issues and solutions. And so I'll share with you some of mine, and maybe some will stick. Maybe you'll just be like, Christian, you got problems, and we'll pray for you. I <laughs> appreciate that. I welcome your godly, well-thought-out advice that's not flippant or quickly given. <laughs> So, first point. Um, okay, I think here are some of the issues and solutions. I want to appear wise. Amen. I want to appear wise. I want to have the answers. I want people to walk away impressed. I'm so thankful for the present weight I feel. 
it's stronger than the desire to appear insightful and wise, and it has hopefully supplanted it. I hope you guys feel that weight too. I hope you can see people's faces when it comes to your mind. <laughs> but it's true, I want to walk away wise. I want people to think, Christian has the answers. I don't want to like them to walk away, well, I was hoping to hear something good, and he just said whatever. But it's just like, what is that? That's, man, that's just pride. That's just me being wise in my own eyes. That's just me being hyper-concerned about what people think about me. It's a very ugly thing, and I've been operating out of that. And I see it now. I see it. You're not wrong. Well, <laughs> at least Tony and I are in the same boat. And, and worse than that, it gets, it gets even uglier because I would get defensive. I would get defensive. Maybe when people would disagree with me or offer contrary opinions. Very, very, all very um, indicative of something that needs to be repented of. Another point. I don't like disagreements, tensions, saying what people don't want to hear, awkwardness, and the like. So how does that impact this? Well, the temptation might be on some level to soften things and round things off and not say things I should say and thus mishandle influence. Not to disagree with somebody and therefore mishandle influence by either implicitly or explicitly agreeing. Because a lot of times silence is implicit agreement. You know, you, you need wisdom to know when to say what. But a lot of times, um, yeah. So I don't like disagreements, tensions, saying what people don't want to hear, awkwardness and the like. So then I wrote, however, I'm resolved to not only be willing to express contrary opinions when necessary, but I'm also ready to share information that may lead people to think less of me. Are we okay with people thinking less of us? Jesus was okay with that. He'd say things and people would walk away. John 6, right? Okay, another point. I've been too quick to offer advice. Moving forward, I will slow down and ask many more questions. I need to use the phrase, I don't know, much more. I need to use the phrase, I don't know, much more. I don't need to be dogmatic where the Bible isn't clear. And uh, if I'm not convinced about something, then I need to be really careful before I start trying to convince other people about it. And then I also wrote, I need to legitimately devote myself to prayer and study whenever I teach. I must do everything in my power to make sure what I'm teaching is true. And that one's a little, you know, specific to what I'm doing right now. But but you guys are all teachers. It may not be in a formal front of the room sort of way, but every single one of you teaches. Every single one of you, there's people who look to you and you have opinions on everything. I mean, like you we all when we hear something, we we form an opinion. So I'm just suggesting that we check those, that we slow down, that we willing to say things like, I don't know, and that we just take very, very seriously that we could unintentionally have a hand in people being led quite astray. We looked at Moses, we looked at Peter. And then we could, of course, hold up the example of the numerous kings of Israel and Judah. Think about that. Think about how they would lead the nation. They would lead the nation into sin or seeking after the Lord. Think about the reforms that King Josiah made. In all that he did. Think about um, just 
again, how the bad kings just led the nation into such sin. And, you know, we've talked about three pretty high-profile positions. You know, Moses, that's, that's pretty high-profile. Peter, again, pretty high-profile. And kings, yeah, those are, those are really high-profile positions. And, you know, we might be tempted to think, well, I'm not quite, I don't have that much influence. I don't determine the entire uh, direction of a nation with a simple word, right? But, but that's missing the point. The point is this. If we're faithful in little things, more will be added. Here's a better question. Could you be trusted if you were in those positions? Is the way that we're living right now, are we, are we comfortable with the way that we're handling our influence right now being magnified? Because what we're doing is what we'll continue to do unless there's some sort of change. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. This has been, uh, like I said, a very heavy but wonderful sort of week from that perspective because the Lord showed me this, I believe, and you, knew, you know what? I knew what to do, and I knew I could start doing it right away. I'm like, I can make this change today. Like, this isn't one of those things where it's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to need to, you know, pray about this for a month and really work on it and do all this sort of stuff. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Devote time to prayer, and yes, we're going to have to start forming new habits. But you could do this today. You can have the exact same experience that I did, where when you go out today, because guaranteed, you're most likely going to interact with another human being sometime over the next few days. And you have influence. And you can, you can do this. You can ask more questions. You can be slower to do this, and you can remember the examples of Moses, how Peter, unintentionally, really, accidentally, I'm sure Peter didn't wake up that morning saying, you know what, I'm going to lead some people astray. That's what I'm going to do. No. That's not the way Peter was. But it's what Peter accidentally did. And we're not beyond that either. So, that's really it. It's a simple point. It's a simple point, and you can begin applying it immediately. All you have to do is remember it. Be doers and not hearers only. Keep it in front of you. And I hope, at least on some level, you felt at least a, a bit of the weight that I did. Because like I said, it's weighty, but it's at the same time like glorious. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's weighty, but it's good. So let's, uh, let's pray, and I'll let you guys have your table time. Lord Jesus, we just acknowledge that there have been times where we have not handled the influence well. Lord, I, you know, I've already, you and I have been talking about this this week already, but God, I just want to publicly say that I'm so sorry, Lord, for the times that I've done that, where I've been too quick to offer my opinion, advice, or even when, I mean, I didn't take the position of teaching as seriously as I should. Because, Lord, you take these things seriously. It's clear from your word, and, and you love so much the people that we are influencing. Lord, help us just to be a bit slower. Please give us wisdom, knowing when to speak, when to remain silent, what to say, how strong to be, how gentle to be. Lord, just in all these sorts of things. But just please give us wisdom and help us to look like you in this. And, Lord, we, like I said, we are very sorry 
for the times that we have mishandled this. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for teaching us, Lord. Help us to go and apply this today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I hope that that was both encouraging and challenging all at once. And I just want to leave you with something that I've been saying pretty much the entire time. And that's this. You have influence. You have influence. And I just want to encourage you just to take that influence seriously and to realize that it can be used for great good or great harm. And that this is a very weighty matter. But I want you to feel empowered. And I and, and just I just want to encourage you just to to make sure that you're using your influence in such a way that lines up with the Word of God, that the advice and the counsel and opinions that you offer into the lives of others, even informally, don't unintentionally lead them astray, but actually spur them on towards the truth, because you have influence in those people's lives. You've been entrusted with it, and I know you want to be faithful with it. I know it's something that matters to you, and so I just want to encourage you and try to strengthen your hand in that. But that's going to be it for today, guys. So I just want to talk about the Bible is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any and all gifts given are tax deductible. So if you feel so led to give, instructions on how to do so can be found in the footer of every podcast episode description. And thank you so very much to all of you who have already given. Well, until next time, guys, God bless you.